Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show and you supported Real Life Radio. I'm Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, your host. And today we're going to be talking about bread, you know. Uh, the readings on yesterday, the Mass yesterday, uh, Sunday. Uh, again, we're talking uh, bread in the scriptures. So we're going to reflect just a, sh- a little bit, just a little bit on the readings from yesterday. Uh, and then we're going to talk uh, bread recipes. Uh, do you like to break, bake bread and break bread? Well, I hope so. We're talking bread today. Very excited about that. You are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on You Supported Real Life Radio. Uh, you know, we say that uh, Real Life Radio is you supported, and I certainly hope that that piques your curiosity. And if it does, you can find out why we say it and how it benefits you by going to realliferadio.com and clicking on the Care to Share link. Uh, Very important. You know, Real Life Radio is a media ministry caring for those seeking fulfillment by sharing our faith experiences to find a better understanding of what Jesus and his church are offering. Uh, You know, you can always be part of the Catholic Foodie Show, and I would love for you to be a part of the show. You can do that by calling 985-635-4974 and leaving me a voice message, 985-635-4974. You know, I have to give you a fair warning today. I'm coming to you not from New Orleans. I'm coming to you from the beach. We are on a a little uh, vacation this week um, at the beach in Florida. Uh, Perdido Key, if you're familiar with the Florida Panhandle, it's about a mile past the, uh, the state line there between Alabama and Florida. Matter of fact, one of the most famous, I believe, um, bars is right there on the state line, the Florabama, which I believe uh, Jimmy Buffett may have had a hand in uh, in making that place a little famous. Uh, but the Florabama is about a mile away from here. Matter of fact, um, one of the, the things that we love to do uh, while we're here at the beach is to uh, go for a walk on the beach. It's always a, a relaxing uh, thing to do and something you could do as a family. And And uh, sometimes we walk the opposite direction, the Florida direction, and go down that way. It really depends on the time of day when we go for for our walks. And ideally, we'll take a walk in the morning and then take one in the evening. And, uh, you know, you want to position yourself to where whenever you're walking back, you're really catching the sunset. You know, you're watching the sun go down. So uh, when we do go toward the Alabama side, we tend to walk from here down to the Florabama, not necessarily to go in, but just as a as a marker, and that's where we turn around and uh, and walk back. So, love being at the beach. Uh, if we have a chance today, I may talk to you a little bit about uh, beach food and uh, one of the one of the recipes we like to do when we're down here at the beach. Just something kind of fun and different. Uh, we don't often make this recipe. Uh, at home, but it's something that we do. We kind of reserve it for uh, for here at the beach. And of course, I have to tell you, we frequently frequently uh, turn to seafood when we're at the beach. We love seafood. We love shrimp in particular. And uh, last night, my wife made a wonderful uh, red curry dish with uh, shrimp, uh, coconut milk, and 
pineapple. And uh, we served that over rice. It was uh, absolutely delicious. And she's like that. She she knows what to do in the kitchen. So again, you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. I am your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, if you want to be part of the show, please do give me a call, 985-635-4974. You can call that number any hour of the day or night. No one is going to be there to answer it. It is simply a voice messaging system. It records your lovely voice so that I can play it back here on the show, and I would love to do so. I know that there is more news that I wanted to share with you, but I can't recall what it is at the moment. So perhaps once we do our reflection on the Sunday readings, uh, maybe I will remember what that news was and I'll, I'll share it with you. All right. So if if you're like me and you need a little refresher uh, about the readings at Mass, I'm going to reread, share with you the reading, the first reading in the gospel today. Um, You know, this is a continuation of the readings from last Sunday, a week ago. Uh, If you recall last Monday, we did talk about the readings. We were talking about the fact that God loves us. God cares for us. God provides for us. Right. He provides. He feeds us. I know in our society today, it's very difficult for us to see that. We, we tend to think that we do it all, right? It's all, it's all about me. Uh, I am a self-made man. I, uh, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps and, and I don't need any help. I don't need any help from anybody. But the fact is, when we scratch the surface, we dig a little deeper, we come to see that even the gifts and talents that we have come from God. We did not make ourselves, uh, but he made us and he knows us and he loves us and he provides for us. And so even the things that we term in our uh, in our lives as good fortune or good luck or good opportunities, those things come to us from the hand of God. So it's important to remember that. And the readings last week did indeed help us to uh, uh, to reflect on that. And so today we're, we're, we're resuming this uh, conversation in the, the readings. Uh, the first reading is coming today from uh, the book of Exodus. And we're going to talk about that when God gave manna to the people. And uh, the the reading from the gospel is a continuation of exact pickup. It's a it's a picking up uh, almost exactly where we left off last week. Last week Jesus was talking about uh, well he fed the five thousand right he fed the five thousand, which is a very distinct, very uh, sharp illustration of how God feeds us, God provides for us, God cares for us. And in today's uh, gospel reading, we're going to hear Jesus uh, respond to the people because the people are looking. For for him, right there. They're looking for him and uh, they want a sign, you know, that he is the Christ. They must have, they must have just forgot what he did, you know, just right before this, where he you know, multiplied uh, loaves and, and fish and fed 5,000 people or 5,000 men, not including women and children. So, but they want a sign. And so he, he talks about the fact that uh, he he is uh, the bread from heaven. So this is the whole uh, bread of life discourse that we have in John chapter six, the gospel of John, the sixth chapter. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. So let's take a look here at the first reading, uh, opening our minds and hearts, of course, to the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord to be with us, to bless us, to uh, help us to have an open mind and heart and to really hear 
what he has to say uh, to us. You know, the scriptures are something that are totally different from any other book that you will ever pick up and read. Uh, Matter of fact, when you hear the words of scripture, it's like hearing God speak to you. Matter of fact, especially in the liturgical assembly at mass, when the word is read, right? No matter what the reading, first reading, second reading, uh, the gospel, it is as if Jesus himself is speaking to us. Uh, it is powerful. You can read in the catechism of the Catholic church, what, uh, what the church teaches about uh, scripture, the importance of scripture and how it is God's personal word to us and how he does speak to us in that word. It's a living thing. It, it's Jesus himself speaking to us. It's beautiful, very beautiful. So we want to be open, want to hear, want to listen, want to pay attention, want to be open to whatever God is saying to us right now. So this is from Exodus chapter 16. It says, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, would that, would that we had died at the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt as we sat by our flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. But you had to lead us into the desert to make this whole community die of famine. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will now rain down bread from heaven for you. Each day the people are to go out and to gather their daily portion. Thus will I test them to see whether they follow my instructions or not. I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, in the evening twilight you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, so that you may know that I, the Lord, am your God." In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning, a dew lay all about the camp. And when the dew evaporated, there on the surface of the desert were fine flakes like hoarfrost on the ground. On seeing it, the Israelites asked one another, what is this? For they did not know what it was. But Moses told them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And that, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Uh, So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. There's so much that we could really unpack here from this particular reading. The fact that God is testing the Israelites, and he had good reason to, because they had more than once at this point in time uh, forgotten the good things that the Lord had done for them and started to try to do things for themselves. Uh, As an example, you know, God led them out of Egypt. He led them by his hand in a miraculous way out of Egypt. The Egyptian people not only uh, allowed them to go, they gave them stuff to take with them. Please go. (laughs) You know, God provided for those people and he led them out of Egypt. It was only after they were out of Egypt that uh, the scriptures say that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh and uh, he fled, he, he, he pursued them. He went after them. Uh, so then we have that, that wonderful and again, miraculous story at the Red Sea where Moses uh, prays, God parched the sea. And the Israelites walk on dry land between the, the water. And, uh, and the Israelites go to pursue. And what happens? Of course, we know what happens. Uh, they don't make it, right? The water comes back down. And in one failed swoop, God destroys the Egyptian uh, army. So pretty amazing. We do have to take a break here, folks. You are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute.
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show and you supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. And I want to remind you today that I'm coming to you from the beach, from uh, Perdido Key, Florida. And as such, I am not in my usual studio. So uh, the family is here with me and uh, they may be, you may hear some background noise and all of that. No, no worry. Don't, don't worry about that. That's just family life happening at the beach. That's good, good stuff, right? So uh, we were talking in, before the break about this um, first reading from Exodus and how God provided for the people, right? Quail at night and bread, this bread, this mysterious bread uh, called manna. Uh, in the desert, provided for his people. They were grumbling against Moses and against Aaron, which means since Moses and Aaron were the representatives of God, they, they, they mediated between God and the people, they were really complaining against God. You know, why, why, you know, would that we had died at the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt as we sat by our flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. Uh, so they're complaining against God. You know, why we're out here, we're starving, we're, we're in this desert, we're uncomfortable, we're not happy. Grumble, 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 grumble. You know, we're grumbling against Moses and Aaron, we're grumbling against God. And God doesn't rebuke them in the way that, like, I would probably rebuke my children, you know. Instead, he says, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, in the evening twilight you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Why? Why? So that you may know that I, the Lord, am your God. So God is reaching out to the people still, Despite their grumbling, despite their uh, their hardness of heart, he's reaching out to the people, wanting to show them again that he is there, that he is there for them, that he is their God. I don't know about you, but I know in my own life I have a hard time. I see the same kind of vacillation between one thing and another, between trusting God and faith in God and struggling and grumbling and complaining and being fearful and wondering if God is really here. When time and time and time again in my life, God has shown me that he is indeed here and that he is for me not against me. But for whatever reason, you know, whatever it is inside of our hearts, inside of my heart, inside of your heart, perhaps, we have a hard time with that. You know, we're maybe it's the, the circumstances that we're facing. We're, we're facing things that, that would naturally instill fear in us and, and we're not able to recall and not just recall like in memory. Um, an event that happened, you know, an event where God took care of us, but to recall at a heart level to where, yeah, we remember the event and it gives us a sense of conviction in our hearts that God is still here. God is still for us. God is still going to take care of us and provide. Yeah, it's tough. It can be very tough. Uh, and so you can look back at the, the, at least I do. I look back at the Israelites in the desert and I see myself. I see myself, I see how, uh, you know, a, a desire, a burning desire even at times to believe, to truly believe with all my heart that God is here and God is for me and God is working for me and God is providing and that there is no reason to fear. And yet at the same time to struggle with that, 
to to naturally be fearful, to naturally worry about all the little circumstances that happen throughout my day. Uh, you know, that uh, I have to work, I have to earn a living, I have to support a family, uh, I have to produce radio shows, <laughs> even when I'm at the beach. You know, uh, things that that just happen in life. Maybe maybe it's a sick child. Maybe maybe a car broke down and has to be repaired, and have no idea how much that's going to cost. Who knows what those circumstances could be, uh, but but those things pop up in life, and what do I do? I become fearful, uh, and it's almost like a instant reaction, you know, to become fearful. And and God does in my life the same thing that He did for the Israelite people in the desert. He says, "I'm gonna. I heard. I hear your grumbling. I, I hear your fear. I hear your complaining. I'm gonna take care of you." You know, just simply trust in me. I'm going to take care of you. And that's what he does. He, he gives them the, uh, the quail. Quail in the evening come and cover the camp. So I guess that means for the Israelites, they still had to do something, right? They still had to do something. They had to. It wasn't like God took care of them and they didn't have to do anything. They had something they had to do. They had to go catch that quail. And they had to kill the quail. Believe it or not, the meat that you buy at the store to cook at home, they don't grow that at the store, right? It comes from animals. And uh, and those animals have to be slain. They have to be killed. And they have to be processed, at least in, a, in the sense of if you're buying a chicken, they've got to be prepared and all that to be sold at the store. The feathers have to be taken out. And uh, if you're buying chicken that's already cut up, it's got to be cut up and packaged and, you know, all that stuff. So the Israelites had to kill catch and kill the quail. The quail were there, but they had to do something. And the same thing with this, this, uh, this mysterious bread, you know, the Israelites, they said, what is it? What, what is this? And Moses had to tell him, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now it's not in this particular reading, uh, but in the story itself, if you go to Exodus chapter 16, you can read the rest of the details and see what God told them how much they were supposed to collect in the morning and what happened to it and that they were only supposed to take to collect as much as they needed for that day, except for on the sixth day, because if you recall, the Sabbath, the seventh day was a day of rest. So they couldn't go out and collect more. So on the sixth day, they would collect enough for two days. And it's, it's really amazing. I do encourage you to go back and to read Exodus chapter 16, because you see, Time and again, the writer who uh, we you know, traditionally believe that this is one of the books of Moses that Moses wrote. Uh, if you look back and you 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 look at this story, you're going to see that time and again, time and again, little details are given to us that would show us that this was indeed a miraculous event. It wasn't made up. It wasn't um something natural that happened that people just uh, interpreted as being supernatural. No, that that's not the case. We see time and again that this was indeed a supernatural event. God himself fed his people with bread from heaven, a mysterious bread that did not work like regular bread. And just as one example, uh, he tells them how much to collect. They go and they collect it. And of course, at first they're thinking, huh, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to actually collect a little bit more 
that I need and I'm going to save it till morning. So I'll have something to eat in the morning. You know, trying to plan ahead, trying to do it themselves. And, uh, and what happens? The amount that they saved for the next day uh, rotted overnight. And as a matter of fact, it, it became infested with worms, it says, and it stank. If you read the scriptures, that's what it says. Uh, but interestingly enough, when they collected twice the amount on the sixth day, because they couldn't collect on the seventh, it was a day of rest, what happens? It does not rot. There are no worms. It kept perfectly overnight, uh, which is, again, just a sign to show us that this was God who was doing this. This was God acting in human history to take care of his people. And it should give us great hope. It should give us great hope because God is taking care of us the same way. Are you seeking God? Are you talking to God, trying to get to know God, speaking to God from your heart? Uh, Not only when we need something, although that's very important, but at other times as well, times when it's, you know, maybe appropriate to thank God and to to give him praise and and to adore him. Uh, If we are seeking God with all our heart, the scriptures tell us he is going to be right there for us. We're going to find him. He's not going to leave us orphans. He's not going to leave us searching around for God and not finding him. If we are truly seeking him with our heart, he will be found. He will make sure that we find him. So beautiful, beautiful reading from uh, from Exodus chapter 16. And uh, I'm going to skip over the psalm today. And I'm going to skip over the uh, the second reading, although the second reading, again, just like last week, very powerful in the way that it helps us to put into practice what we hear in the first reading and in the gospel. And perhaps, perhaps if we have time, we can come back to that at the, uh, at the end uh, of, of the show. We'll see. All right, so this is the Bread of Life Discourse, John chapter 6, and this is, uh, this is what it has to say. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you were looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for bread, for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered them and said, uh, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And that is the gospel of the Lord. You are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. We do need to take a break. We'll be back to talk about this reading and bread recipes in just a minute.
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today. We're talking about uh, Jesus, the bread of life. We're talking about the readings from Mass on Sunday. And I also am going to be sharing with you some thoughts on bread, baking bread, some tips on baking bread, and also a couple of bread recipes. I don't know if you uh, like bread as much as I do. I absolutely love fresh bread. And I love to bake bread. It's a lot of fun. It's something that the kids can uh, join me in the kitchen to do as well. And uh, it it's an amazing process. It really is. It's fascinating to me. I've always always loved to uh, to, to eat bread, but also to, to break bread. So we're going to be talking about that. Bake. I said break. I meant bake bread, but I like to break bread too. <laughs> We're going to be talking about recipes in just, a, in just a bit, in just a bit. Let's finish up right now talking about the readings from Sunday, John's Gospel, chapter 6, uh, the Bread of Life Discourse. This is a continuation of the readings from this of last Sunday, where Jesus fed the 5,000, right? Multiplied the loaves and the two fish, five loaves, two fish, fed 5,000 people, uh, 5,000 men, it says, not including women and children. And and then today we see the crowds chasing down Jesus. They're looking for him, chasing him down. They said, uh, you know, he says, well, what are you doing? You're like, why are you looking for me? They, they, they come and they find him. They say, hey, wh- why are you here? How did you get here? When did you get here? And Jesus says, you're not looking for me because you saw signs, like saw miracles, but you're looking because you ate the loaves and were filled, right? And uh, so he reminds them to work for food that does not perish, to work for food that endures to eternal life, which can be kind of a cryptic thing. You know, you listen to the Jesus say this, and you're like, well, what do you mean? You know, we, we have the advantage of 2,000 years of Christian tradition and history, of the teaching of the church, of, of the experience of the lives of the saints. So we can look back at the Gospels and see things that the people who were there at the time wouldn't have seen, wouldn't have known, wouldn't have recognized, right? We can see it, but they couldn't. So uh, they're, they're like, well, you know, he's telling them, work for the food that endures for eternal life. It's kind of cryptic. They're like, what are you talking about? You know, and he says, well, what can, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God. This is what you're called to do. Believe in the one he sent. And it seems like that's a simple thing. And I guess it is simple, just not always easy, right? To believe in the one he sent. Jesus came, he was God, became man, born in Bethlehem, which incidentally means house of bread. We'll talk about that too in just a, in just a bit. Uh, but he, he, becomes, he becomes man and we're called to believe in Jesus, which means not just believe in the existence of Jesus or not just believe in the, you know, intellectually in Jesus, that he was God, is God or whatever, but it's a belief that comes from the heart. It's a belief that affects every aspect of our lives. It's a belief that, that demands something from us. It's a relationship is what it really is. It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus, but it's not something that is just intellectual. It is it, the whole person. It's us as human beings. It's me as a, as a man and how I relate with God and, and with Jesus, right? It, it, that, that's what really what it's all about. And so uh, he says, 
you know, they're, they're wanting a sign. Okay. All right. All right. Believe in you. Okay. Believe in you. What, what kind what sign can you give us? Because, you know, it, in the Old Testament, you know, people believed in Moses because Moses was God's representative. They believed in him because he he gave a sign. He gave them bread from heaven, and Jesus corrects them and says, no, 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 no. Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father gave the bread from heaven in the Old Testament, right, in the Exodus, in the desert. But also he gives you the true bread from heaven, For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so they have this little dialogue going on. And Jesus, ultimately, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Now we see, and I think I mentioned this last week, we see that in the synoptic gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of those have the story, along with John's gospel, all have the story of the feeding of the multitudes, right? The multiplication of the loaves and fish. They also all have the story of the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper, John's gospel is the only one that is different here. He does not have the story of the institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper. Instead, at the Last Supper, he has the story of the washing of the feet and Jesus's uh, final discourse where he's talking to the apostles and preparing him them for what is to come. Uh, but what John's gospel does have is a beautiful, beautiful Eucharistic a discourse that's 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 um, uh, very weighty weighty uh, theology, right? This this understanding of the Eucharist. Jesus is saying he's the bread of life, and so he goes on to say. We don't hear it in this particular reading uh, from yesterday's uh, liturgy, but we will hear it where he says a little bit later in John's Gospel, chapter six that uh, his flesh is real food and his blood is real drink. So Jesus, just like in the Exodus reading, right? Exodus chapter 16, how there are so many little bitty details there that show us that this was indeed God's work, God's hand right here in human history providing for his people. It was miraculous. It was beyond normal. In the same way, in John chapter 6, we see the same thing happening. All these little details, little things that Jesus says and repeats that that shows us very clearly that he's not being cryptic. He's not being symbolic. He's saying very plainly, this is my body, right? This is my blood. That's what he says at the institution of the Eucharist in, uh, in, in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in John's gospel, what does he say? He says, I am the bread of life. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It really, it's just just amazing when you stop and think about it. And the thing is, again, just like in that first reading, it is so simple. God is simple. God's not complicated. So simple. We're the ones that like to make things complicated. But again, it's not it may not be easy. It may not be easy. Uh, you know, one of the ways that we can take this particular reading to heart, uh, you know, seek, seek to, is to really seek after that bread. 
that came down from heaven. Uh, you know, you go to mass on Sunday, you receive the Eucharist and that is wonderful. And that's what we were, we should do. We need, we need Jesus, right? Because he says, you know, he, we, we, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you is what he says. Also, a little bit later in John chapter six. So we need that. We need that. That is how we have eternal life. Uh, And we see this in in the Garden of um, of Eden, right? Adam and Eve fall into sin. How? It's a sin of disobedience, yes. But more than that, it was actually an act of eating. They ate the fruit of the tree of the of the uh, knowledge of good and evil, which God had told them not to do. Not because God was being capricious god was looking out for their their good for their good looking out for them to keep them safe and protected do not eat the fruit of the tree of the garden of good and evil i mean of the knowledge of good and evil uh but they did it uh they did it they were deceived by the serpent and they ate and when they ate their eyes were opened and, uh, and and then that's what really broke that relationship between God and them because sin entered into the world. Sin entered into their hearts. Now, it's interesting because God promises in, in Genesis chapter three, God promises to save humanity, to save Adam and Eve and their family, their descendants. That's us. God promises that. And uh, we see in John's gospel, chapter six, very clearly that God says, you know, if you want life, if you want salvation, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus gives himself as the bread of heaven, the bread of life, as true bread come down from heaven. Jesus gives us himself as food in order to save us, in order to save us, to bring us salvation. And that is just so amazingly beautiful. I love that. I absolutely love that. So what can we do? We can seek God. If you have an adoration chapel in your parish or in a parish close by to you, go visit, spend some time in prayer before Jesus truly present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, truly present in the Eucharist. Go and and pray and seek him there. Uh, Another thing that we could do is to go to mass one, at least one extra day during the week. You maybe maybe you can't because of your job or whatever family responsibilities. You may not be able to go daily to mass. We do have that privilege in the Catholic Church to have daily mass available. We could go every day if we if our schedule allowed it and our hearts desired it. We could go every day. But if you can't go every day, just try to go one extra day during the week and really seek the Lord, seek Jesus, the bread of life, and you will be blessed. You will be blessed. What does he say? I think I mentioned earlier in the show, if we draw near to him, if we seek him with all our heart, he will not hide. (laughs) He will not. He will be there with us, be there for us. So uh, beautiful readings that we had, again, very food-centric, I think, uh, readings, talking about bread, talking about the bread of life. I wanted to share that with you today, a little reflection on the scriptures. Uh, We do have to talk about uh, recipes, though. We do want to talk about uh, recipes for bread and also uh, just a little bit more about bread, like the, the fact that it is referred to in cultures across the world. It has been referred to as the staff of life because bread has been seen as a life-giving necessity in cultures across the globe. It's a, it's a staple of life, and it's so common. 
That's a good a good thing to think about, reflect on. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. We gotta take a break, but we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie, and uh, we're talking before the break about bread, how important bread is in the world. Uh, Cultures across the globe have referred to it as the staff of life because it is a staple. It is uh, a life-giving necessity in cultures across the globe. And you know, the thing about bread is that it's so common. It is unbelievable. It is so common, and yet it is so necessary. Uh, It's no wonder that Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread, get it? Jesus, the bread of life, is born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and placed in a manger, which if you know any Italian and you know the word manger, or that may be French, French may be manger, and Italian would be what? Uh, mangiare, that's it, mangiare, manger, 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 it means to eat. So Jesus, the bread of life, born in Bethlehem, known as or called the house of bread and placed in a manger, how how, how loudly does God have to speak to us? How, how, how loudly does he have to shout? <laughs> and then we see later in John's gospel where Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread come down from heaven. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life and I will raise him on the last day for my blood, my body, I mean, my, the, the, for my uh, body is true food and my blood is true drink. So it's amazing. It really is. And God is saying this very clearly, the importance, the absolute importance of the Eucharist and receiving the Eucharist. And I love this about Pope Francis, who uh, there's a famous quote you may, if you're into like Facebook and all, you know, Instagram and you ha- you see all these memes, right? Memes. Um, you may have seen one where it's a picture of Pope Francis and he says the church is like a hospital, a field hospital instead of a museum for saints or something along those lines, um, is, is very true, right? Uh, when, when there's an old term, um, we don't hear it used uh, as much anymore, uh, but it comes from the Latin. If you were to receive the last rites, uh, and receive, uh, the Eucharist, the anointing of the sick, and then receive the Eucharist before you, you die, that used to be referred as viaticum, right? Viaticum. It means it's, it goes with you in Latin. It goes with you. And along the same lines, uh, the, 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 the breviary, the, the liturgy of the hours, uh, the, the, the breviary used to be called in Latin, the, the, uh, vademecum, I believe I'm, I'm kind of getting rusty here. I haven't taught Latin in a number of years, so I'm getting, getting, getting rusty, but, uh, vademecum, which is, it goes with me. Because the priest had to say the, the liturgy of the hours through, at different hours throughout the day. It was obligatory. They took uh, you know, vows to, to, to do this as part of their, their prayer life as a priest. And so it was, it was a book that always went with them. It always went with them. Vare mecum. And so you think of viaticum, it, it goes with us. Right. You think of the word companion. It's like you think of bread and companion. Companion, if you break that word down into what it really means, it means um, uh, to break bread with, to be with. 
companion. And in God, in Jesus, in giving us himself in the Eucharist is with us. He is with us and he stays with us. And we see that even in Isaiah's prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us, what that word really means is that God pitches his tent with us. God is not just like with us this moment and not the next. God pitches his tent. He, he's here with us. He's, he's here to stay. He's here to stay with us. So this is what the Eucharist, I mean, we think about the Eucharist. It's not just this thing we do on Sundays out of obligation. This is amazing, amazing stuff, and I love it. So I'm talking about bread this segment. We are in the last segment today. I want to remind you in case you hear a crying baby in the background or any other noise that I'm at the beach with my family this weekend and uh, enjoying a little vacation before school gets back up and running. And uh, you may hear family life in the background. That's okay. I'm cool with it. I hope you're cool with it. Uh, We're talking bread today. We reflected on the readings from uh, Mass. We're we're talking a little bit here about uh, Jesus in the Eucharist and the the gift that that is. uh, The fact that he is uh, the bread of life, the true bread of life that uh, comes down from heaven. You know, Jesus was born in the Middle East. He was uh, born in in the Holy Land, in, in Israel, or actually what is today Palestine. He was born in Palestine, in Bethlehem. And, you know, the whole region of the Middle East uh, today is made up of different countries, different peoples, different regions and uh, religions and, and cultures. And their cuisine, however, is strikingly similar, despite the vast difference in uh, religion. You know, the region is home to Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and bread is common to all of them. Actually, for all three religions, bread is considered to be holy. It's a gift from God. Um, What we know in the United States as pita bread is known by uh, other names across the Middle East. As a matter of fact, pita is actually a Greek name. Uh, It's also known in the United States as Arabic bread or Syrian bread. Uh, And the the name for this bread in Arabic, I'm probably going to botch the pronunciation, but it's uh, uh, kubs. I believe uh, I may have botched that, but it, it, it's not pita. Pita is a, actually a Greek term, kind of kind of interesting there. And I do have some recipes over at CatholicFoodie.com uh, that talk about uh, how to make bread. It's something that I just absolutely love to do. Uh, one of them is a whole wheat bread. I have a, a recipe there that I use uh, for a bread machine. You, if you don't have a bread machine, I also give you instructions on how to make it manually. You know, with your hands. Which, incidentally, I have to tell you. The whole process of making bread, and I'm talking about bread that has yeast in it, right? It's got leaven. Uh, French bread, uh, just regular white bread, wheat bread, any of those kind of breads. Pizza dough, uh, pita, making pita. I love to do it with my hands. I love to make this bread with my hands. Why? Because once you add that leaven in there, once you add that yeast and you're kneading the dough, it becomes alive. I mean, it's, 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 it's changing and it, it, you can feel it beneath your hands. You could feel the changes happening. And it's just such a wonderful image. I think of how God works in our lives. Jesus himself used leaven as an image of the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works. You know, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. And, and you see, it actually can leaven multiple loaves. It's, it's just so amazing. You can mix it together, then break it apart, and you'll see other, you know, you can make several, as an example, pita bread. I can make uh, uh, six rounds, I call them, uh, out of one big uh, dough 
from from pita. It's just it, and you have a secondary fermentation process. You have all kind of interesting things that can happen when you're baking bread. But the end result, right? The end result is a fun process. I like to have my kids in the kitchen sometimes with me to to make bread. But the the end process or the end product rather is what you have that incredible smell in your kitchen of freshly baked bread. There's nothing like it. There's just, it's so warm. It's so inviting. Uh, it makes you want to invite people over so you can literally break bread together, right? Especially if you have some good butter. You have like a little Kerrygold butter or something really good and heavy and substantial with a lot of flavor. And you put that on that hot bread and it melts in. There's just nothing like it. I'm telling you, nothing like it. Uh, I have a friend of mine who has been a longtime listener of the Catholic Foodie. His name is Craig Poirier. And a couple of years ago, actually it's back in February of 2011, so more than a couple of years ago, he sent, he's a professional chef. He's a professionally trained chef. He, he works up in, he's no longer in the restaurant business. He's up in Vancouver, I believe. Uh, uh, he's, he's an amazing man, amazing man, a, a professionally trained chef, worked in restaurant business for a long time. Uh, but he's a family man. He's a good Catholic and he's a good family man. And he, he saw at one point that the restaurant industry was, hurting his family because of the the hours he worked and everything else. So he left it, but he does still cook for special events. He does stuff for his parish and really awesome. He gave me a recipe, his recipe for uh, French baguettes. Now, you know, New Orleans is known for a lot of things. Uh, it's, it's historically very Catholic. We have Mardi Gras. We have, uh, you know, uh, Jazz Fest. We have uh, the craziness of the French Quarter. You know, that whole French influence. Uh, we have, you may have, you know, all these dishes that are famous. Gumbo, jambalaya, red beans and rice. And then po' boys, right? Po' boys or poor boys. And which is a, the, the bread that we make the po' boy on is a variation of a French baguette. It's not a traditional French baguette because you'd probably break your teeth on it. This one has a, it's a little softer crust, but you still do have that little crunch to it. Very, very, very soft in the in the middle. And we refer to that specifically as po' boy bread. Uh, but a French baguette, I love, absolutely love French bread. I absolutely love French baguette. And I was so happy that uh, my friend uh, Craig Poirier sent me this recipe for French baguettes uh, you know, back in 2011. I'm going to try to share as much of it as I can with you right now. If you, uh, if you, if we don't get finished with it, cause we only have about a minute and a half left of the show, then you can find this recipe over at catholicfoodie.com. Just go there and the most recent post will have a link to this, uh, French baguette recipe. But basically you have to make an overnight starter. All right. Which is going to be a half cup of cool water, one cup of unbleached all purpose flour, and then a one sixteenth teaspoon of instant yeast. And for the starter, you're going to mix it until it's smooth you cover it and let us let it rest at room temperature for about 24 i'm sorry for about 14 hours and overnight overnight should suffice but for about 14 hours for the dough it's so simple all you need is the starter that you made the day before a teaspoon of instant yeast one cup of lukewarm water three and a half cups all-purpose flour and one and a half teaspoons of salt and uh you know to make the dough well, you know what, folks? We're not going to have time to get through all this because we are running out of time. Uh, but it is over at CatholicFoodie.com. And I'm telling you, 
You got to invite some people over, make this bread, smell that wonderful smell in your kitchen, and break bread together, and just enjoy each other's company. It's a good thing to do. You could do it even with your family. You've been listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on You Supported Real Life Radio. I'm so glad that you have been here listening with me today, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow, so stay tuned. And until then, bon appetit.